care if you think this election was stolen. If you want to wear a tinfoil hat, I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> Believe that. But it's not going to win the next election. Hello and welcome to The Interview, Mediaite's weekly podcast featuring conversations with the top figures in media and politics. I'm Ada McLaughlin, the editor-in-chief of Mediaite and your host for this week's episode. My guest this week is Tommy Loren, the conservative firebrand who catapulted fame at the front lines of the culture wars. Her large audience took her from the blaze to Fox News, where she was the face of its streaming service, Fox Nation, and finally to Outkick, a sports site that is owned by Fox. Tommy joined the interview this week from her home studio in Nashville, and we discussed the success of the Outkick, her incredible career, and who she's backing in the 2024 race. Thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's great to see you. Um, thank you for having me. Um, we're happy that we can bring a little Nashville to you. It's a great place to be. <laughs> so I want to talk about your career to start. Your latest career move was taking your very large audience over to Outkick, which is a sports and politics site run by Clay Travis, who was previously on this podcast, and it's owned by Fox. Tell me what you're doing at OutKick and how that's been going. So I'm really happy that I can be a part of OutKick. I've known Clay for many, many years throughout my career. And I was so happy when Fox acquired OutKick because for me, this is kind of like my playground. So I'm a Fox News contributor. I, I love being on the channel. This is my opportunity to go beyond the channel, to be in digital where I feel really most comfortable. A lot of my career has been on digital and on social media. So OutKick gives me that opportunity to stream and to have, you know, podcast capabilities and to have just a different element of interaction with an audience that is still like a Fox audience, but also has a wider reach too into pop culture and to sports and the cross section of all those things. So this allows me to talk about more than just the daily politics of the day, but also the pop culture, which I've really done my entire career, but I get to go into it more depth being on OutKick. So I love being here and I love what we're doing. Yeah, that's one thing that I think is really interesting about your career, because you are very much a personality. You've woven in pop culture and politics um, since you started uh, speaking out. And I think being a personality and building an audience is a major part of the new media ecosystem where personalities are becoming more important than institutions. How do you think that you've grown your brand? What have you done that has made your brand successful? Back when I started all this, when I was 21 years old at, you know, One America News Network, <laughs> I knew that I had to do something a little bit differently than, you know, the Megyn Kellys or the Sean Hannity's. I'm 21 years old, right? So what can I provide given my life experience, given where I am in life to connect with people? And I found my niche and that's just being exactly who I am. So I don't pretend to be a Harvard scholar. I don't pretend to be a journalist. I really was one of the first conservative influencers, if you want to call it that, because I was just speaking from my experiences, from what, the way I see the world at a young age. I'm 31 now, so I've been doing it for a while, but still relatively young in the scope of media. And I think the reason I've had the falling I've had is because people have followed me from the beginning and they know that I'm going to give it to them straight, no matter who it pisses off. 
the left hates me most of the time. Sometimes the right hates me. Sometimes <laughs> the Trump supporters hate me. You know, it really is a mix, but people know that I don't play to the hits and they know that I'm okay with taking hits from all ends. I think that's why I have the following that I have and that I've been able to keep that following because people know that I'm genuine whether they like it or not. And I'll always be that way. You've always sort of straddled this independent media, like online digital media and then institutions, right? I remember first seeing you when you were blowing up, when you were at The Blaze with Facebook videos and getting an enormous amount of views on those. Now you're doing a similar thing at the OutKick, but you're, you also work, uh, you know, your OutKick videos are being aired on Fox Nation, the streaming service uh, that's part of Fox News. When you think about the future of media, what do you think about these online platforms versus cable news, which is now becoming more old school and might not have, uh, you know, the longevity that these online digital platforms have? I think to some degree, there are other networks that are not going to have longevity, but Fox News is kind of anomaly in that because right. Fox News did something very smart. What is it? 26 years ago, they realized that instead of playing for scraps of 5% of this audience, 5% of this audience, they took a hundred percent of the conservative audience. Hmm. And there are others that have cropped up, but nothing can really match what Fox News is. But then Fox News was also smart enough to say, we need to be in streaming. So that's why they have Fox Nation that I also helped launch. And then of course, course, the acquisition of OutKick, they realize that they need to be in culture, they need to be in digital, they need to be in website. So that's where the power is, is that you still have the main core, which is Fox News, that is our guiding light, which has always been my guiding light. But then you have a lot of little branches that stem out from that. So we're in the game in every facet. And I think that that's why we're going to be around forever, especially uh, in any capacity, really, but especially in digital, because we're making that footprint now. Other places have not had that success. I think you saw the disastrous rollout of like a CNN plus. Nobody's going to pay for that. The Fox News audience, though, is loyal. So when Fox acquires something, people inherently trust it because they trust Fox News. Right. It's like you've got this incredibly lucrative cable news network. And then Fox, Fox, I believe, was the first major cable news network to launch a streaming platform. So Fox having success in these digital spaces is, is good for the sign, you know, good sign of the health of the brand. I want to talk about the 2024 race, which is already pretty dramatic. You've long been a Trump supporter, but you recently had tough words for his supporters. Last month, you wrote a piece telling them that DeSantis is potentially a stronger candidate. Uh, I know some weeks have passed in now. DeSantis isn't potentially looking as strong as he was uh, before. Do you think that there's any chance that DeSantis or any other candidate for that matter stops the Trump train now? Like to me, it just seems like his support is just overwhelming in the Republican Party. Yeah, I think also we have to remember that there's been a lot of inevitables that haven't been inevitable. I mean, Jeb Bush was the inevitable. That didn't happen. Right. Hillary Clinton was the inevitable. That didn't happen. It was Barack Obama. So I think along the way, we've seen a lot of people that were supposed to be the inevitable and then things changed very rapidly. I think Iowa is going to be a big state to watch. I think Ron DeSantis is doing very well in Iowa, and I don't even think he's begun to campaign yet. And I would disagree. I think the last few weeks have been phenomenal for Governor Ron DeSantis. I think that now that we don't have the news being led by indictments or mugshots, I think Ron DeSantis has been really given the opportunity to shine, and he has been doing that, not only with his handling of the hurricane, but I think he's been out there. I think he's been fighting for votes. I think he's been fighting for support. And I think especially in those state-by-state -state races, you're going to see Ron DeSantis do much better than people understand because 
people don't always exist on social media. Mm -hmm. That is a big problem that I think Republicans have is that we see blue checkmark Trump supporters or just Trump supporters canvassing social media. And we think that that is the inevitable. But there's a lot of people that are in middle America that are across this country that I think have their eye on DeSantis. And I think should he do well in early states, he's got a real shot. Yeah. And, you know, when we're looking at the difference between DeSantis and Trump, I think there's probably a lot of voters who realize that DeSantis has not just a more forward looking view of politics, but also a more realistic view. For example, do you think it's a problem that Trump has convinced so many of his supporters that the last election was stolen? Like that could have serious consequences for turnout in 2024. And that's not something that DeSantis is pushing. I just don't think looking back is going to be a winning strategy for anybody. 2020 was the worst year of most of our lives, right? So looking back on that year and spending all of our time Dwelling fixating on, on that year, right. that seems stupid to me. We've got to move on. We've got to look forward. I don't care if you think you, the election was stolen. If you want to wear a tinfoil hat, I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> Believe that. But it's not going to win the next election. So I'm one of those people that's like, OK, are we going to sit here and we're going to beat the drums about how unfair 2020 was, whether you believe it or not? Or are we going to look forward and talk about how we're going to win 2024? Because if people really believe that 2020 was stolen, then what's the point? Right. right? So I think move forward, give the American people a solution. We've got the worst president in American history sitting in office right now. We should be able to beat him. But do I think it should be a battle of the elderly? No. I think we need new voices, fresh faces. I would personally love to see a Newsom-DeSantis matchup because I think the American people deserve that. Now, I detest Gavin Newsom, but I think the American people deserve that stark contrast and that decision to be made. Now, allow me to dwell on the past just a little bit. In the aftermath of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, you were harshly critical of the Trump supporters that committed the violence that day. You called them anarchist animals who left you appalled, disgusted, and sick to your stomach. Do you think that voters should weigh that when they're looking towards 2024 that, you know, I, I, like what's your view of the riot and how that plays into Trump's legacy now? So listen, I was also very careful to, to make a distinction between what I feel are actual Trump supporters and the people that were there that day. We still don't know everything that happened that day. And guess what? We probably never are. You know, do I think we've been given the transparent view of January 6th? No. Do I think we're ever going to get it? No. But I'm there's a very clear distinction between people who support Donald Trump, like myself, mm. and the people that were angry that day, that acted out and, and acted abhorrently and horribly, whether right. they were truly Trump supporters, agitators, it doesn't matter. Those people that were there that did those things acted abhorrently, and I don't think that they are representative of a Trump supporter. I really don't. So to, to be I think clear, we though, we, we do know at this point that they were Trump supporters, right? They're wearing MAGA hats. They're waving big Trump flags while they beat up police. Like there's not much of a question remaining whether or not these people were <laughs> Trump supporters. There are questions remaining. If all of those people were Trump supporters, I could put on a Biden hat right now. It doesn't mean I'm a Biden supporter. I could wave a Biden flag. Should I be able to find one? It doesn't mean I'm a Biden supporter. Like I said, we're really never going to know the truth. And that's unfortunate. Um, I think we need to move forward, though. I don't want to relitigate January 6th. I don't want to relitigate 2020. I don't want to relitig relitigate ballot drop boxes or machines mm. or whatever. Let's move forward. It At this point, doesn't matter. Let's secure elections. Let's have voter ID, election integrity. Florida's fantastic at that. Here in Tennessee, we have you know, voter ID. I think those are common sense things mm. that don't require a tinfoil hat. Right. And 
But when we're looking forward towards 2024, obviously, let's say Trump gets the nomination, there's a good chance that he let if he loses that he says that the election was stolen again. I think it's almost guaranteed. When you look back at this footage and you watch these people who stormed the Capitol, beat police, hunted lawmakers, tried to kill the vice president, don't you think that it's not a responsible thing for Trump to be doing to saying that elections are stolen? Does that give you does that concern you at all? I don't think we should be talking about elections being stolen in 2020 anymore, period. But do I think that it's irresponsible to just talk about how Trump supporters might go bananas and freak out when we had an entire summer of riots with people burning down entire cities? You know, what happened on January 6th was a horrible day. We went through horrible months, if not years, thanks to BLM and Antifa. So we have to take all things considered. I think that there are people that are the fringe on both sides that act disgustingly, and I don't want to be associated with either side of that spectrum. So I assume you oppose some calls to pardon the January 6th rioters. Listen, that's not my call to make. Uh, I do think that the way justice has been applied to some that are going to rot in prison for the rest of their lives has been applied unfairly. Mm. You know, I think most reasonable people would think so. But as far as that, again, it's just to me, it's a disservice to the American people because January 6th impacts a very small number of people. What's going on nationwide with the policies that are going to impact our future, that impacts all of us. Mm. So sitting here relitigating January 6th, I think that it's great because it's a lot of red meat. Both sides get fired up. But is it productive? Is it mission focused? No, it's Mm. not. I get the sense from talking to you that you kind of would like for the Republican Party to move on from Trump to a different candidate like DeSantis. So here's the thing. I wish that Donald Trump would not have run again. Uh, I think had he not run again, he would go down as one of the greatest presidents in American history. By the numbers, I think he would have. I think that he he left a great legacy that unfortunately at the end got a little squirrely for more reasons than one. January 6th being one, the handling of COVID being another. Uh. I do think it's time to move forward to the future of what Mm. the GOP looks like. Now that is America first. That is make America great again. But can it exist without Donald Trump? It has to. It has to be able to exist without Donald Trump. Whether he wins or he loses or what his future in politics looks like, at some point, the GOP has to move on to someone else besides Donald Trump if we want our movement to survive. And I think that Ron DeSantis has those America first policies that I loved of Donald Trump, but he doesn't come with some of the drama. And I think that's attractive to a lot of people and to a lot of independent voters that we desperately need to win. I tell my fellow Trump supporters this all the time. I still consider myself a Trump supporter, by the way. I just favor DeSantis for this election. I tell my fellow Trump supporters this. If we cannot win, Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, it really doesn't matter. So we have to have a candidate that can win those states. Mm. Trump couldn't win them. He couldn't, his endorsements really couldn't win them in 2022. And meanwhile, in 2022, Ron DeSantis won Florida by almost 20 points, including Miami-Dade. That's impressive to me. That's forward-looking to me. That's why I'm excited about Ron DeSantis. You mentioned COVID. You were recently fiercely critical of YouTube because it locked out OutKick out of its account over commentary uh, about COVID that you and Clay Travis made. And COVID is a big topic on your show, mandates, lockdowns in the United States. Um, You wrote on Twitter that OutKick has been locked out of YouTube due to Clay and I rightly pointing out that the COVID vaccine is basically worthless. Putting aside YouTube's punitive information policies, 
What do you mean when you say that the vaccine is basically worthless? Exactly that. The vaccine is basically worthless. <laughs> so if it doesn't prevent infection or spread, mm-hmm. it's basically worthless. Is it not? Well, at the height of the COVID pandemic, you were 11 times more likely to die from the virus if you were unvaccinated. Even now, the unvaccinated are dying at a rate six times of vaccinated Americans. So it may not be perfect at preventing infection, but it's definitely preventing people from dying. Well, I would disagree with you on that. I also think that there hasn't been enough worthwhile discussion on vaccine side effects and vaccine injuries. We all know why that is, because you can't talk about it, because then you get locked out of YouTube and other social media platforms, and you get censored, and you have the White House digital director telling Facebook to reduce you. Oh, by the way, I know, because it happened to me personally. So there has been a shutdown of conversation surrounding COVID in its entirety, that the federal government, the Biden White House, has been working to shut down discussion and dialogue over COVID, over the vaccine, over masking, over lockdowns, over anything that runs contrary to their draconian, tyrannical narrative. So when we're finally ready to have a real conversation about vaccines, COVID vaccines as a whole, then that's a conversation worth having. But as long as the conversation is shut down and you can't even talk about real vaccine side effects, we're not gonna get anywhere. You can make arguments against COVID mandates about whether or not the you know standards for debate are being too limited by these tech platforms. But I think it's obvious what we have here from the evidence is that the COVID vaccine is saving lives and that that is clear and unambiguous just from looking at the death counts. I also wanted to ask you, you recently said on your show, you said that you think the government is overplaying or manufacturing another health emergency to regain total control. What do you mean by that? Do you think the U.S. government is actually trying to manufacture health emergencies? Uh, I think that they learned in 2020 that if they scare the living hell out of people, they can take away a lot of your rights and a lot of Americans won't think twice about it. They won't second guess it. They will simply lock down their businesses. They will strap a face diaper to their face the entire day and onto their toddlers. They will give up their rights and their freedoms if they are scared. They will believe that two weeks to flatten the curve is a real thing. So yes, I do believe that the government was dishonest about COVID. Lockdowns did not work. Masking did not work. And until the government is honest with the American people, the American people are not gonna trust a whole lot that the government doles out. And for good reason, because we were lied to. Here's what I just wanna understand about that. It's the why. What does the US government have to gain from keeping people inside their homes and having them wear face masks? Number one, uh, really helpful in the election. Uh, And two, they love control. Why do tyrants want control? Because they're narcissistic tyrants who want control. I I do believe that the people that want the lockdowns and the masking and the mandates, I believe that they love control. I believe that they get a some kind of a kick out of watching people walk around in masks and afraid and be stuck in their homes and close down their businesses. I believe that there are people that get a real kick out of that. And those are not the people that I want in my government. And I will do anything I can to keep them out. My last question, you achieved a level of fame in such a short period of time. What was that like? Uh, do you still do you still sort of reckon with the effects of, of being such a well-known person, uh, even in a place like Nashville, which I imagine is a little bit more low-key than living in L.A.? Yeah, you know, I did the L.A. thing for about three years, so it was a different crowd and a different reception, although there are a lot of conservatives 
in California, uh, quiet conservatives. Yeah. But, you know, for me, I've been doing this for a while now. Uh, I've taken a lot of hits from the left, from the right. I've been through a lot in this career, but I really don't let it get to me. It really does not bother me. I mean, it, just, it doesn't at some point. Uh, I got over the need to constantly explain myself many years ago because I understand that there are folks in the media that are going to love to misrepresent me, love to purposely misunderstand me, and not everything requires my over-clarification, my over-explanation. I know who I am. My viewers that have been watching me for nine years now, they know who I am. So yeah, it makes it challenging from time to time, uh, more so in my personal life. But it's gotten to a point now where I'm very used to this. I've been doing this for my adult life. So it doesn't bother me. And I, I kind of wear it like a badge of honor at this point. Well, Tommy, thanks so much for coming on the interview. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Interview. Please subscribe to The Interview on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And check out coverage of my conversation with Tommy Lahren on Mediate.com.